Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 610 of the podcast and it's Monday the 14th of March 2022 as I record this. So this is a solo episode, a futurist in between episode about creativity, collaboration, community and cash, NFTs for authors. Now I put this out as a video on YouTube and on the blog but I know many of you prefer audio only. I certainly do. So I wanted to put it out on the audio feed, but I also have, even if you've watched the video, I've got an extra section up front, a little update. Because, as I mentioned on this week's show, I minted my first NFT on OpenSea and it sold immediately. So I minted another one, (laughs) which also sold immediately. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about, and thank you, by the way, to those people who bought them. So I wanted to talk briefly about this before playing the presentation as things are moving on apace right now. So first of all, the book-specific NFT platforms are not quite ready yet, although many are almost there, as in possibly in the next few weeks, I will be minting some of my eBooks, maybe even audiobooks. So before then, because of uh, a number of things, which I'll come to, I decided to mint some of my AI generative art, which I've been playing with for a while now, a couple of months. Now, this idea of visual art is not out of the blue for me. I know many of you are also visual artists. So my family are primarily visual artists. My dad's a printmaker. My brother's a photographer. My other brother is a 3D fashion designer. Yes, in the metaverse. (laughs) And one of my sisters designs textiles and interiors for super yachts. We are indeed the creative pen. (laughs) Visual art is a medium I dabble in already. I take thousands of photographs during my research trips, some of which I share on Instagram and Facebook at JFPenAuthor. And my fiction is very visual and sense of place is important to me, as you will know from my books and travel podcast if you listen to that. For my AI generative art, I'm using my own photos of places combined with words from the books about that place and then remixing the images and curating until I find one that resonates with me and resonates with me, with my JF Pen brand, with the book. And of course, art is subjective. That's part of why it's art. (laughs) But since I'm the writer and the photographer, I can curate the output based on many iterations of AI images. Now, you could download my original image because I'm putting them on my blog. At um, If you go to jfpen.com forward slash NFTs, NFTs, you're, you can see the two I've created so far as I record this. There might be another one soon. <laughs> but basically, even if you downloaded the original image and used the same prompt as me, you will never get the same image because the AI generative art idea combined with the different prompting combined with the way models work is that you will never ever ever get the same image twice and that's what makes it supremely interesting. Now I'm really enjoying playing with generative art. It's 
a lot of fun. And again, I I have a lot of fun with these AI generation tools. I enjoy the AI word generation tools, but also this art. So anyway, on the 11th of March, 2022, I made my first NFT, Rain Soaked the Ashes of the Dead, by combining one of my pictures from the Burning Ghats of Varanasi, India, where I travelled in 2006, which inspired the first scene of my first novel, Pentecost, later republished as Stone of Fire. And the prompt was the first line. Rain soaked the ashes of the dead into the winding Varanasi streets as rivers of mud ran down to the holy river Ganges. So the image is the NFT. It's under the art category in OpenSea. And the special edition of the ebook of Stone of Fire is unlockable content. There is a smart contract attached to the art that says I get 5% on any retail. Resale. <laughs> now, I used OpenSea as it's been called the Amazon of NFTs, and it has an art category. It does not have a publishing category or a book category. I chose the Polygon blockchain, which is less energy intensive than Ethereum, but OpenSea still prices in ETH or ETH, you will see it. At least one of the the um, wallets bought the NFT with a credit card. So you don't even need cryptocurrency to purchase on OpenSea, which is interesting. I didn't know this. So I couldn't, use, I wanted to use an auction. This is funny. I thought I was setting up an auction and then I thought I'd set up an auction for two weeks, tell you guys about it, and then eventually someone might buy my NFT. But I discovered that it wasn't an auction, it was a buy now price. And in fact, I can't use an auction at the moment for the Polygon chain. So <laughs> I put it up at 0.1 ETH and it sold at 0.1 ETH. So there you go. That's around 250 US dollars at the time of minting. So I made a second one inscribed in an ancient hand from a picture of the Radcliffe camera, part of the Bodleian Library in Oxford, and another line from Stone of Fire. The names of each school were written above the wooden portals, inscribed in an ancient hand, gold-leafed and stamped into thick oak, banded with copper. And that was also bought immediately, which is encouraging. Now, remember, these NFTs are art, visual art rather than books. So I'm certainly not expecting a lot of authors to do this. Uh, if you are a visual artist, you might find this super interesting. But uh, a special edition of the ebook of Stone of Fire again is included in the unlockable content. I have plans for lots of different types of NFTs, some of which I'll talk about in the presentation ahead. They include a video of me writing my novella, Tomb of Relics, with GPT-3 uh, AI writing tool PseudoWrite, and also PDF scans of my hand-edited drafts, and of course, special NFT editions of my books, ebooks and audiobooks, which will be limited edition, but not unique. Now, this is, I've come to this, I wanted to do, put this out now because I've come to this realisation. It, it hit me sort of in the middle of the night, about 3am. It was very weird. I have never created a one of one before, as in these first generative art NFTs are unique. They are one of ones. And I'm experiencing surprising feelings that I didn't expect and go some way to explaining the interest in NFTs and blockchain and ownership of digital assets and that kind of thing. So when we write books and publish them, we expect to sell many copies of the same thing. Each book is interchangeable or fungible. <laughs> When I minted these two NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens, they were in my wallet on OpenSea. Then I put them up for sale and they sold 
and they have disappeared from my wallet and they now exist in other people's wallets. Think of it like a uh, like a folder, like a digital folder. Now, I don't own those images anymore and you can see them on my profile, opensea.io forward slash jfpen. You can see them under the created tab, but I don't own them anymore. And even though I've been talking and thinking about this for a while now, the experience of the NFT disappearing out of my wallet, or it was actually, obviously they bought it and it was transferred, something clicked in my mind around what ownership truly means in the digital realm. And I have never felt this before. Now, again, if you're someone who does already, say if you paint an actual canvas, that actual canvas is a one of one and will go. And even if you create multiple, uh, but like my dad as a printmaker will make, uh, you know, one of 10 and it wouldn't be numbered in the corner or one of 365 or whatever. So I've made one of ones and it's, it feels special to own something unique. And I feel almost sad that I don't own those things anymore. And in fact, I have a few images that I love so much that I might mint them, but not list them for sale because they can be two different things. I want to keep them. I want them on my profile, but I don't I don't want them to disappear. Now, I can see that as an NFT artist, I want them displayed on my profile. So, oh my goodness, so many conflicting feelings, but interesting too, because I have not felt this before. Created a one of one, sold a one of one and felt a kind of loss for a digital original, which is kind of crazy and not something I expected and why I wanted to talk about it. So yes, you can find my NFTs uh, at opensea.io forward slash jfpen or lots more detail around uh, the the words and the idea behind the art at jfpen.com forward slash NFT, so NFTS. And of course, there's so much more I want to do. And that is part of the creativity section of the presentation coming up. If you want to play with AI generated art, I mentioned Wombo Dream on the podcast a while back. And because I use PseudoWrite, I got access to their pseudomake.art beta, which you can apply for. Uh, pseudomake.art and links in the show notes. I love that I can use my words and my images combined with generative AI models basically to make something new. And just to be clear, this is not just, as I've said many times before, AI generation is not just click and it writes a novel or click is a finished whatever. You have to direct the generative AI tool and you have to prompt it in a way that it creates something that fits your artistic vision. I also think it's easier to understand how AI prompting works with a medium you don't excel at. So I clearly, I'm not a landscape painter, but if you go look at my two NFTs, you'll, my vision of my finished product, that's it. And I had to direct it. I had to create a lot more images to get to what I wanted, but that's the same as it works with AI and words as well. So if you want to know more about AI generation and all of that, then I have a lesson on AI generative art and obviously lots on writing in the AI Assisted Author, my course, which is has 50% off for the rest of the month in March 22. And you can use coupon MARCH22, all caps, on that. Just go to thecreativepen.com forward slash learn or links in the show notes. 
Now, if you're still doubtful about NFTs and blockchain as an emerging economy, remember that President Biden in the USA signed an executive order on blockchain and crypto last week. The Verge reports that the order legitimizes digital assets by treating them as worthy of measured regulation and instructs agencies to develop policies that will protect consumers, investors and businesses, as well as to guard against systemic risks. And it also directs the Department of Commerce to figure out how to keep the US competitive in the development of digital assets. And over here in in the UK and in Europe, I would see that as a clarion call, which is if the US is going to do a digital dollar, then hell, we need our digital Bitcoin and we need to have a competitive place to set up blockchain companies and all this type of thing. So I feel that the days of Wild West crypto will recede and with regulation, we'll see the development of a lot more platforms that are more easily used by more people, which is what we need because for Web3 to go mainstream, we need things to be easier. (laughs) And in fact, you may not even know that the platforms you use in the future use blockchain architecture. We may not use the term NFTs for digital assets. You will just use them. So if you want to get into this space now, you are still early. Not the earliest for sure. And I'm never the earliest, uh, but I'm often early. But there is no need to do anything. You can just wait and watch and see what emerges. I shall be a crash test dummy (laughs) and no doubt make mistakes along the way. But hey, I just can't help myself. So thanks again to my patrons who sponsor these futurist episodes. And if you find them useful, you can support the show at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the creative pen and get the monthly Q&A coming soon for March. Or if you don't want to commit to a monthly payment, you can also buy me a coffee or two at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into the presentation. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is a presentation on NFTs for authors. Creativity, collaboration, community and cash. So first of all, who am I and why am I talking about NFTs? I spent 13 years as a business consultant implementing financial systems for consultancies like Accenture, Capgemini and other firms in Europe and Asia Pacific. And so I have a background in technology, although I was never a programmer. Now, I started writing for publication in 2006 and started self-publishing in 2008. As a businesswoman, I embraced digital publishing, ebooks, and uh, all of that before it really became mainstream. And I was able to leave my consulting job in 2011. So I've been a full-time creative entrepreneur running my own business for over a decade. In terms of other technology, in 2009, I started the Creative Pen podcast well before podcasting went mainstream, and it's now had over 6.5 million downloads in over 200 countries. And it is one of the longest running podcasts for writers and creatives with over 600 episodes. So I tend to embrace technology reasonably early, certainly not the earliest uh, to adopt, but, you know, reasonably early. So over the last decade, I've built a multi-six-figure figure uh, business as an basically as an individual author. I work with freelancers, but I'm what one could call a solopreneur. And I've built this business on what is known as Web2. So the internet as we know it right now. 
what I can see ahead are changes to my business model. <laughs> so this is an entirely selfish endeavor to try and protect my business as we move into Web3. And as I learn things, I like to share it with my community. So really, I'm looking at NFTs and blockchain as the architecture of what may become my business model in the next decade. And certainly I'm in my late 40s and I really want to be doing this business for the rest of my life and inevitably businesses change. In terms of my writing, I'm an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling thriller author as J.F. Penn, and I write non-fiction for authors under Joanna Penn. I've got around 35 books, and I've sold nearly a million books across 162 countries and five languages. I'm also an award-winning podcaster and creative entrepreneur, and I'm an international professional speaker, and I like to call myself a futurist because I'm very interested in how these technologies Technologies will change things in the next decade. So what is an NFT? Well, just in terms of a definition, NFT stands for non-fungible token, which let's face it, it is a terrible... <laughs> a terrible acronym. And it's defined uh, in this book, the NFT Handbook, which is a really good introduction, as unique digital collectibles secured by the blockchain. And also an NFT provides authenticity of origin, ownership, uniqueness, scarcity and permanence for any particular item. So there's a lot of interesting things within this and we'll explore parts of these terms as we go through. But just uh, for now, think about it as a collectible. And since we're authors and rights holders, it's really thinking about, well, the equivalent of a physical collectible. So a special limited edition hardback with a lovely leather cover with gold embossing and uh, handwritten in by the author, that would be a sort of physical collectible. And we're talking here about digital collectibles and we'll go into more detail. But what is dramatically different to a physical collectible book is that NFTs can be programmed with a smart contract. So this is where things become very interesting because smart contracts allow for automated transactions without manual processing. So when I mint a NFT and mint on the blockchain is essentially publishing it, uh, publishing this edition on a blockchain, I can put a smart contract with it, which says things like, like terms of the license, the uh, use of that intellectual property, the resale percentage, the ownership and much more. And I'll come back to all of these things, but that's what is truly different. It is a essentially a digital product, but it can be programmed. So it gives it so many more possibilities for functionality, but also for payments. And as authors and rights holders, we are very interested in making more money from our intellectual property. So just to come back to the, the phrase minted on a blockchain, <laughs> and of course, this area is full of different language, but so is every area of publishing. There's always different language. So try not to get too bogged down in the language, just accept that there's always another language. So minting is essentially publishing on a blockchain and different blockchains. You don't have to understand blockchain in order to use it. I'm sure you don't understand the HTTPS protocol <laughs> for uh, using the internet. You can send money on PayPal without understanding how that works. And this is the same. You don't need to understand the technology of blockchain to think about using it. But the point is there are different blockchains and they have different functionality 
and energy usage. And of course, this is one of the um, issues that people have with NFTs at the moment, as I record this in the late days of February 2022. And it's very important to time data, actually, because things will change. But I will direct you to a site called cleannfts.org, where they list out what are the different eco-friendly blockchains. So when people say, oh, the blockchain blockchains will destroy the planet, there are different uses on different blockchains. Here's an example from the Flow blockchain, which is fascinating. It says one minute in a hot shower is 382,000 Flow NFTs and one mile in a car is a million flow NFTs. So when people say, oh, you're destroying the planet with creating NFTs, well, compare that to some of the other things that you probably do every day or here, one Google search equals 12.5 flow NFTs. So have a think about um, that. And if you're going to look at doing NFTs yourself, then consider an eco-friendly blockchain. Now, Personally, I think that they will all become eco-friendly. It's just a matter of time because this is a problem that people in the NFT and blockchain community absolutely want to solve. So you might be thinking, well, why do we even need NFTs? We have a perfectly good publishing system already. Why do we need to go into this? Well, there's a few reasons. First of all, ownership and resale of digital products. This is something that many readers don't even understand, but readers do not own digital files in the current ecosystem. If they read on Amazon Kindle, if they read on Apple devices, or they listen on Audible or some of the other platforms, these services, these companies can remove access at any time. And indeed, we've seen this. If a customer has their account removed, the um, person loses access to all those things. But essentially, a reader has paid for something they do not own. They have a license to read it, but they don't own it. They can't resell it like they could a physical book. And NFTs make it truly possible to own this uh, copy of the book and resell those digital products. And this resale market for NFTs is something I'll come back to because I, I think it's really amazing. With smart contracts and resale, it means money coming down the pipe for many, many years into the future. And let's face it, we all like automated income streams <laughs> and this will allow it. The second thing is flexing your bookshelf in the metaverse. So yes, yeah, sorry, more jargon. <laughs> but people increasingly live inside digital realms. And I'm sure you've been uh, aware of the news around metaverse and the different places that people will gather virtually. And while I don't believe there will be any one system, there won't be the metaverse in the same way there won't be the internet. <laughs> it is uh, lots of different places. NFTs are being used to flex your identity. And this terminology is kind of the reason why I have my books behind me is I'm showing you what type of person I am. And that's the same reason why people put a particular NFT as their avatar on Twitter, or they might carry a particular brand or wear a particular brand. It says something about you as a person in the way you dress, in the things that you carry, in the way you, you portray yourself. And we know that branding is super important. Now, art, music, gaming fans are already flexing their NFTs in uh, online and in the metaverse. And so publishing has to catch up because book lovers, bibliophiles, people like us, we love our books. And if I walk into someone's house, the first thing I do is look at their bookshelf. 
And I'm sure you do too. That's the type of people we are. So when I think about the future, and again, not right now, but in the next couple of years, five years, 10 years, if uh, I do this presentation in a metaverse space, then I'll want to do it in a space that where I'm surrounded by my books. And that may be used using NFTs, which will be essentially original digital products that I've bought to display what I think is important in the metaverse. So both of those are really from the reader perspective, from the end user perspective. But in terms of authors and rights holders, digital income and author royalties are being eroded. Now, in the same way as we've seen in the music industry, what's happened with streaming over the last few years, streaming and subscription models, is that while the cost of uh, creating the original product is still the same, we then have to uh, essentially get lower payments for our books when they're borrowed, when they're checked out. These are micro payments essentially per stream, per subscription, per page read, per listen, whatever they will end up being. And this isn't going to stop because from a reader and a listener perspective, from my perspective as a reader and a listener, subscription models are incredibly good value. So they're not going away. In fact, they're probably increased. So while subscription and streaming have increased the audience for our work, they've also eroded the royalties. And this is why the music industry has jumped headfirst into NFTs, because they're a couple of years ahead of us and they've seen the erosion of uh, income through micropayments. And so they're looking at different ways to make more money from intellectual property. Now, at the same time, (laughs) we've had erosion of royalties. We've also had the rise in paid advertising, which eats into profits at the same time and has become basically non-negotiable for authors, publishers, rights holders in order to get our work in front of readers and listeners. So while we've got income coming down and ad costs going up, both of these things are squeezing the income streams. Also, we've got inflation and most of the uh, prices have not risen in line with inflation. So the money we are getting is worth less over time and uh, with caps on the price of product digital products we need something new so basically authors and rights holders need to make more income and readers want to own digital products resell digital products and support the creators they love right let's get into the different types of nfts for authors and these are just some that i've come up with based on the other things going on in the blockchain space but i'm recording this at the end of february 2022 and it's very likely that other things will emerge over time uh, but this is a good start so first of all the nft ebook or audiobook now this is essentially the same product as we already publish on the other stores but the difference is that by publishing on blockchain as nfts these can be bought and owned and resold and the smart contract will distribute money to the authors and rights holders and whoever else you put in the smart contract as part of the ecosystem. So there might be digital extras within these. Uh, It might be a limited edition here, for example, one of 5,000 might be the particular run. But the important thing here is the ownership and the resale. Then the NFT special edition, and I'm calling this uh, my one of one. And here's an example. This is um, my first novel, Stone of Fire, with an AI generated piece of art, which I 
I love and actually I'm keeping as my own NFT. (laughs) But it's really important to think about how we can create things that will surprise and delight readers that they might be really interested in. So, for example, I'm thinking of putting my entire hand-edited draft into an NFT, and that might be interesting to both readers but also authors. Interesting to see behind the scenes on a manuscript. I'd certainly be interested in owning that from Stephen King or someone like that. You can see the value... I'm also considering doing videos that might go with these, but essentially they are special editions in the same way that you might do a, you know, perfectly hand tooled print edition. This is a special digital edition. And I like the idea of one of one. Some people are doing sort of one of 10 and obviously there'll be different price differentials on that, but a true one of one essentially uh, is an equivalent to the pieces of art that we're seeing in the world. So when you consider what you might do for NFTs, it's interesting to start thinking of what you might do for these one-of-one products that will be truly special, that will be interesting to both the uh, readers and the fans and also the whole community that's built up. Then there's the NFT community token, also potentially known as membership. This can give access into special channels. So Discord is being used because it's essentially linked to NFT tokens. So you can give special access. Maybe it's a readers group. Maybe it is a group of genre authors joining together. Maybe it's a coaching add-on to your nonfiction book. Maybe there's just so many things that you could possibly do with this. This may potentially replace the idea of membership websites because tokens are much more easily used as access. So this will enable authors, publishers, rights holders, genre communities, author organisations to create spaces where people can buy access, but then they can also potentially sell their token on. Uh, Of course, you don't have to allow resale. That's just one of the possibilities. The idea with a smart contract is that you can put whatever you like in it, (laughs) which is the power. So yeah, the NFT community token is interesting because a lot of people want to pay for access. Again, I mentioned Stephen King, one of my favourite authors, I would definitely be buying a community token for Stephen King to get on video once a month and uh, talk about his writing process. Now, these are some of the more developed aspects that we're seeing in the music industry. First of all, the NFT ticket for a physical event, or it can obviously be an online event. But these are actually uh, limited time tokens that allow access into that event rather than that sort of membership ongoing thing. The ticketing industry is totally enamoured with this because obviously in in sports people uh, resell tickets outside stadiums and the original rights holders, the people who own the rights to that basketball team or whatever, they're not getting any extra money from resale. What NFT tickets allow is a percentage of resale of a ticket to go uh, to the original rights holders. So in terms of authors, this could be book launch events, this could be again a group of authors get together and do an event and uh, sell NFT NFT tickets. And then the NFT can be used to, they call it airdrop, which is essentially a a new piece of content will arrive into the token holder's wallet. And that may be the book for the evening, for example, or that may be a a recording of, of a presentation. So the ticket idea, it's unique and it expires. So it might be able to be resold up to the point of the event, and then it might be cut off. Or if it's some truly awesome event, it might also have resale value after the fact if it includes all of that extra content. There are so many possibilities with these and I I just want to scratch the surface with this.
So the next thing is NFTs for royalty fractionalization. And this is already happening in the music space. Royal.io has allowed the rapper Naz to basically fractionalize the royalties on his streaming. So they must have worked out a way to publish through a blockchain with smart contract involved. And then you can buy an NFT. Well, you can't now because they all sold out. But other artists are starting to do this. You buy an NFT and you get a percentage of those streaming royalties. So this is a, it's essentially a form of crowdfunding, but also has ownership. So as a fan, I can own 0.001 whatever percent of uh, this song or these songs or this album or this book. And then I receive money into my wallet as other people stream it. Now, I love this idea because it bakes in marketing. If you as a, a fan of Nas or a fan of Stephen King, if you buy a fractionalization uh, of that book, then you are totally incentivized to go and market that song, book, whatever. You're going to encourage your friends to read it and download it and you're going to just have built-in marketing for the people who've essentially bought into the future of this uh, product. So this is a very interesting model. It is entirely dependent on being able to automate the publication and streaming and royalties, which is what blockchain offers. And I will come back to that for my future state of publishing. But I think this model could be fascinating for those authors who have created a fan base and who want to do something very interesting with their book without the overheads of manually distributing um, tiny, tiny micropayments to all of those fans. And the final one here is NFT for intellectual property rights and co-creation. So what we're starting to see is NFTs in collections around a digital world, and that might be actually built in a metaverse place, uh, but it might also just be for publishing other books or songs or whatever. So essentially you buy an NFT and then that gives you the rights to use the content of that NFT in creating more products. So we've seen this with some of the sort of famous art NFTs where people have got the rights to then turn that into merchandise, so say t-shirts with that image on. Now in the past, this has not really been possible. You've had to do licensing agreements, but what this NFT has is essentially set it up in advance. So you've created a smart contract that essentially gives the rights to the rights holder to do certain things. And that includes, it's a contract. So it actually has it all up front. Now, most NFTs, so the rest of these, they don't include essentially the right to do that. They're just a another copy. But this NFT type is essentially a almost a co-creation. Now, I would equate it to what Kindle World did a few years back, which was an author created a world, fiction world, and then other authors were allowed to write in that world and use characters within that world because the Kindle World's contract allowed them to do that. And this is how I see the NFTs for IP rights could look like in the future. There are sort of jobs in the metaverse called Law Master, L-O-R-E, Master, people creating these narratives around digital worlds in gaming and different things so that, and different NFT products so that people can then go and use them to do other things. And again, it's a way of expanding your brand. It's a way of creating other products. It's a way of buying in with the community so that we can all profit together. It's a very interesting model. 
So these are the four areas that I think are interesting, creativity, collaboration, community and cash. So first of all, creativity. Since getting into this NFT space, I've come up with literally hundreds of ideas for NFTs around my IP. So I do have around 35 books at the moment, fiction and nonfiction. And all of them, I mean, this example, A Thousand Fiendish Angels, which uh, was is based around Dante's Inferno and a book of human skin. <laughs> Can't help myself. Uh, but I've come up with lots of ideas just for this. And this is a trilogy of short stories, essentially a short story collection, which I can think of absolutely tons of ideas. That's just one book. So when you get into this, the creativity sparks start going and you start realising what the possibilities are. So it's turning our digital intellectual property into so much more. And of course, it's much it's cheaper to create digital products, but that doesn't mean they're worth less. If we have true digital digital scarcity, we can create awesome, surprising, delightful, wonderful products that people are interested in. We can also use video and audio to add to our ebooks and enhance these products and we can do standalone NFTs. So for example, I do a lot of podcasting and I do a lot of private conversations with creatives that potentially we can collaborate in turning those into NFTs. I'm certainly interested in listening into a conversation by two writers I love and buying a token for access to that. So there's lots of ways we can create these sort of one-off products as well as the products based off our IP. I also love the um, potential of commissioning art for different aspects of the books or also using AI art generation. There's some really interesting tools for using words to create art now. So I, I feel that that will be something that continues because if you take a passage from a book and generate an original art piece from it, that can become the token with the text. There's also lots of ways to collaborate with authors. And this has been traditionally very difficult. So this is an example of a book I co-wrote with my friend Jay Thorne. And it's called Risen Gods. It's about New Zealand. It's got, again, got a lot of visual um, stuff we could do with it. But with Jay, Jay and I, we have a a co-writing contract. We published this about five years ago and I published it under my company and I, I have to pay Jay every quarter with essentially I have to go through all the reports. I have to figure out how much I owe him. I have to send the money. It's all manual. And this is what's done across the publishing industry <laughs> is this kind of, uh, obviously there are a lot of systems, but they're all diverse systems and we have to set up the contract. We have to, there's a lot of paperwork and manual work around collaboration. Now there are beginning to be things you can do with ebooks. So draft to digital, for example, includes payment splitting. But if you want to do uh, 100 authors in a um, anthology, for example, it's a lot of work to set that up and then to do all the different products. And you still have to do something manually. You can't necessarily do it all um, uh, through one system. So what blockchain allows and NFTs will allow is you can set up the smart contract to automatically split the payments the micropayments over time. And also you could include a percentage for an editor. You can include a percentage for a cover designer. There will be freelancers who really want to collaborate with prolific artists, authors, uh, and this will enable much more interesting collaborations between people because it's so easy to do. So coming to community, because this is incredibly important. It's incredibly important right now, and it always has been. Having a community is a way to reach readers with your 
social work. It's a way to support <laughs> the artist community. It is, uh, it helps your mental health. I mean, there's a lot of things that community is important for and community is even more important as we move into Web3. So community tokens, as I talked about, will enable access to different levels within a online community. This might replace membership software. This might also help author collectives, genre collectives, but also organisations like the Society of Authors or the Alliance of Independent Authors, or I'm a member of International Thriller Writers. These types of tokens could actually change the access model and get rid of a lot of the manual work in the back end, which is, oh, this person has hasn't paid their dues or this person uh, has changed their level or whatever. What we can also see is, and again, sorry to bring in more language, but the rise of DAOs, so D-A-O or Decentralised Autonomous Organisations. These are very exciting. This is essentially uh, a way to automate a type of company. <laughs> it's difficult to go into it without too much technical detail, but essentially it will be a more automated way of running things on a higher level. It will allow authors to have controlling stakes in these types of societies and organisations. It will enable publishing and estate management with much more automation. See that as the future of my own company is that it becomes a decentralised company with everything automated in the back end. I am a one person company right now. <laughs> this would help me a lot. <laughs> but it would also reduce back end costs for groups of authors, rights holders, publishing companies. And let's face it, everyone wants to to reduce their costs. And then finally, cash, because let's face it, we are artists, but we also want to earn some money from our work. And this is the basis of having a business and a thriving publishing community. We do need there to be money involved. Uh, yes, we love this, but we also run businesses. Now, what true digital scarcity allows, and that's why I like the one of one ideas, but there's so many ways to bring in new streams of income with NFTs. I hope you can see that with some of the examples that I've given. But also, so resale, again, in my mind, this is very, very exciting. So let's say I do an NFT and it, I, I make $500 on the initial sale. Well, then uh, let's say something happens. I win a prize or I hit the top of a list and the value of my IP goes up. So maybe that holder then sells it for, let's say they sell it for $1,000. And then out of that $1,000, I might get the 20 or 10%. So let's say I get another 10%. Let's say I get $100 from that. And then over the years, it's resold and resold. And I keep getting a percentage stream from that resale. Now, this has never happened before. There are some attempts to make resale of secondhand books work this way. But of course, it's not automated and it's tiny. Whereas this has potential for massive scale at an automated level. So it truly is very exciting. When I think about resale of digital books and products and audio, I can't get more excited about it because it really is revolutionary. Again, as an individual one-person business, everything I do is designed to be scalable. I don't want to have to touch things the second time. I want to put things out there and then just have money coming in. And that's what I love about the digital business. But this makes it even better. So when you think about resale and digital scarcity, consider what resale might mean to you as a rights holder, as a, an author, as a publisher. Also, smart contracts and automatic payments mean easier reconciliation, immediate 
and faster payment. So instead of waiting months for money, you get it immediately on, on the transaction. It moves re removal of third party processing costs. I mean, of course, there will always be some kind of uh, like gas fee, which is the platform fee. And there might also be other companies involved. Uh, I don't believe this will be truly decentralized. I, I see that there will always be companies that we use who will take a percentage. So it's important to look at those companies and how much the percentage is. But yeah, it means, as we talked about, easier collaboration, which can potentially expand the number of products without expanding the back end pain of figuring out how to pay people for that. The author is also incentivized uh, to create more for the long term. So I am always thinking about my long term business, my long term sustainable income. You know, what happened like when I had COVID last year, the money was still coming in because I couldn't work, but the money still came in because I've set it all up that way. Now, as um, I like the idea that as I create more and the value of my intellectual property rises, which inevitably uh, it does generally, unless something really awful happens. But even then we found bad publicity can cause authors work to sell more. So what we can think about is how the value of an author's IP will rise over time and how that might affect the um, value of their NFTs some um, musicians are doing their own coins, their own creator coins. Uh, that might be something that big name authors will be interested in in the future. And then, of course, the licensing for other rights might also spin off into the value of other NFTs, which again brings in more money. So that, to me, this is expanding the possible streams of income. And that is very exciting. So as we move into these possibilities, what do we want in a blockchain solution for publishing? Now, I've been looking into the various companies and uh, these are essentially the things that I want and I think we need in a blockchain solution. So first of all, low fee minting or low gas fees minting on an environmentally friendly blockchain. So this is really important. Readers care about this. Authors care about this. Everyone cares about this. We don't want to destroy the planet. So we do need the um, blockchain that a solution uses to be an environmentally friendly blockchain um, or at least a very low energy blockchain. Plus, this will encourage resale because obviously every time you resell, there's another transaction which costs more energy. So we definitely do want this environmentally block friendly blockchain idea. The next thing is an ease of use for readers, collectors, fans and community, as well as creators. So I need it to be easy um, when I mint my own NFTs, but the reader and the collectors need to find it easy too. Now, at the moment, it is difficult for people who are not blockchain, NFT, crypto people to deal with NFTs. And that's because the technological solutions are designed for people who already know what they're doing. And we can't have that for a mainstream solution it needs to be easy. It must be as easy as at the moment using something like Amazon to get an ebook or uh, Audible to get an audiobook or PayPal to pay. And so we're definitely looking um, for these easier to use solutions, which at the moment I haven't seen emerge. We also need the ability to change the terms of the smart contract. So uh, some solutions will have a standard contract, but as a author and rights holder, and I'm sure most of the publishing companies want to be able to basically configure 
each NFT. So when I put out a one-of-one one NFT, I want to be able to say how long it lasts, what the resale percentage is, if I have other collaborators, and um, what percentage goes to different people. If I want to send the money to different wallets, that might be that I want to send 5% to a charity, for example. It needs to be configurable per NFT mint, essentially. And then also adhering to financial regulations and provide tax documentation. So this is something that is still up in the air as I record this again, late February 2022. The jurisdictional changes around blockchain and NFTs are difficult because, of course, blockchain is a truly international <laughs> idea and technology. So, and it's even difficult to tell where the buyer is from or where the NFT minter is from. So these things will have to wash out over time. But some of the questions I have, for example, are when I sell an ebook NFT, there's digital sales tax and companies like Amazon and Apple and Kobo, they manage that for me. So I just get the royalty. But if I sell on a platform, on a blockchain platform, is an, is an NFT, a digital ebook NFT, does that attract sales tax? If it does, who handles that? Then things like collectibles in different jurisdictions, collectibles attract a different tax rate to just a normal product or a use of IP, for example, those might be considered assets. And again, assets are potentially taxed in a different way. So this, <laughs> these are a lot of questions that have not been answered yet, but, but I wanted to do this presentation because I feel we're just, we're almost there. We're almost there. But again, I have to be sure that these things are handled on a platform. So these are some of the companies that currently offer NFT solutions specifically for books and publishing. Again, I've date stamped this because they will inevitably change over time. They all address different angles and I absolutely suggest you go and check some of these companies out, see what they're doing. And I'm not going to read them all because there's lots and there's more emerging all the time. But when assessing them, think about what they're doing, think about how it might apply to your work, Think, look at the percentage involved in terms of the various fees, look at the blockchains. There are lots of things to assess, at the, but these are essentially smaller companies doing things in the NFT for publishing space. But you might think, oh, well, this doesn't really matter. But NFTs are already happening in the mainstream media. You will have seen the hype around art NFTs, you know, the, the Beeple multi-million dollar sale, the why does a picture of an ape sell for millions. But essentially, this is becoming a much bigger deal. And as I talked about in the different types of NFTs, it's not about the JPEG. <laughs> it's about all the functionality within the NFT. But uh, here's just a few bigger companies. Um, the FT, the Financial Times talks about Facebook, um, sorry, Meta, <laughs> getting into NFTs. YouTube is looking at them. Shopify, which of course is full of independent creators, is talking about that. What I like about the Shopify idea is that Shopify helps creators sell physical products. So if I want to sell my hand-bound limited edition books, I can do that through Shopify. I can also then potentially sell my digital scarce products through Shopify. So I, I'm keeping my eye on, on Shopify for sure. Rakuten, as I record this, Rakuten, which owns Kobo, the ebook and audiobook store, Rakuten launches NFTs in Japan. So that's really interesting. Could that mean Kobo could more easily do NFTs? eBay, which of course is a secondhand marketplace for physical goods, now does secondhand digital products with NFTs. And then big um, brands like the British Museum, 
Disney, these are all doing NFTs. So it's not like this is fringe anymore. It's moving into the mainstream. Of course, it's still early days, but it's not really, really early days. <laughs> so then, of course, people will ask, well, what about Amazon? Well, if you go on AWS, Amazon Web Services, you can see they already have a blockchain solution, the Amazon Managed Blockchain. And interestingly, 25% of all Ethereum, and Ethereum is a particular blockchain, 25% uh, run on AWS. So <laughs> even in a so-called decentralized world, we still have the big incumbents who are going to run the technology side, the back-end systems. So essentially, if Amazon wanted to do NFTs, then they could because they have that back-end uh, potential. So never say never, I would say, um, the Amazon marketplace, I mean, like the eBay marketplace, if you can buy second-hand print books on Amazon, why won't you be able to buy NFTs in the future? Of course, it involves a massive architecture change, but companies do that. So this is how I see the current state of the publishing business model and how NFTs might fit into that. We create the book, the manuscript, and we turn it into the existing things that we already do using the existing ecosystem. So print books, ebooks, audiobooks, and other forms of licensing. That is the existing model. All I see is that NFTs add to the existing business model. So I will continue to do all those things with my existing books. It's not like I'm going to stop doing all those other things. What I'm considering is adding these special editions on top. So that might include a special limited edition print run. I might do a Kickstarter for one of my books, and that is an established model for doing special print runs. But then I might also do special edition ebooks and special edition audiobooks for, with NFTs for my digital scarcity idea. And when I email my readers with my special print stuff or a new book, I'll also link to my NFTs. Now, I will obviously need to educate my readers and we there's a lot of education needed in this space, but it's almost like it was when we started doing eBooks. Remember over a decade ago, I'll take my mum as an example, when uh, eBooks first came out, my mum was like, I would never read an eBook. Why would I do that? That just seems crazy. And then about mm, no, five, six years ago, she got a Kindle and never looked back, basically. Or my dad, who said he would only ever read the paper in a physical edition, who has essentially now moved to his iPad and hasn't read a physical paper in many years. <laughs> so we say we won't do things or we won't accept these things, and then we do. <laughs> but I see this as the model for the next few years, which is we'll carry on doing exactly the same thing with all the other products, and then we'll add on these limited editions. But this is where I see the future, the eventual promise of blockchain. And again, it's an architecture shift, and we've seen architecture architecture shifts over the last couple of decades within publishing. Architecture changes bring in new opportunities. This is what I would love to see. And I mean, <laughs> I can't promise when this will happen. But um, we will have some kind of identity blockchain. And again, people talk about blockchain being decentralized, but we will have companies, DAOs, whatever, who will run certain aspects or certain blockchains that are designed for certain things. That's just the way things work. People have to do the work to build these architectures, these companies. So first of all, I think an identity blockchain of some kind where authors and rights holders verify their digital identity. Now, many people think that the importance of blockchain is being anonymous, but it's not. That might be what some people would like. And there are reasons why that's important. But for the purpose of publishing, what we want is the digital identity of the rights holder 
uh, to be verifiable and their wallet to be verifiable for that particular situation. Now, that doesn't mean that your whole online self needs to be included in this. This is specifically about intellectual property. Then we have some kind of IP registration blockchain, and this is where we register our intellectual property. So the point being that I can upload uh, my book before I send it anywhere. <laughs> and this may help prevent piracy and uh, all of this stuff, because hopefully with the IP registration, we will have a, a, a registration number on a blockchain, which then does truly represent the first publication of that book. And uh, that will help protect the future of that IP. And then that will can be changed by the verified rights holder and will potentially have a heads of agreement contract which will redirect payments based on what happens when an author dies, when an estate changes hands, when a company moves from one to the other. That kind of IP registration central rights is really interesting. For example, right now I'm trying to find someone <laughs> who can help with this book, Anno Domini by Barnaby Williams. The author is dead, but the author's name is a pseudonym. The agents, the publishers have basically said, you know, don't know where the the estate is anymore. The book is, is not in Kindle. And I am interested in getting the rights to this book. I love this book. It's fantastic. I would like to publish this in digital. So, but I can't, for the life of me, can't get hold of the right people to sort that out. And if there was some kind of IP registration blockchain, then I'd be able to figure that out. Then, of course, what we would like next is publication that through sites, it could be exactly the same sites, something like Amazon, Apple, etc. But they will check the IP against this other blockchain. And this will pre prevent plagiarism, privacy, uh, piracy, fraud, and all these other things that plague authors, rights holders, publishers. We would all like that. I mean, quite often I'll get an email from Amazon saying, can you verify your copyright ownership of this book? Because it's been found elsewhere on the internet. And I'm like, well, yes, here you go. <laughs> here's, here's my proof. But what I would like to see is publication through some kind of integrated system that allows the smart contract to be applied to all of the different publishing formats we do, uh, as well as NFTs, because this will truly allow the automation of payments through smart contracts down the line to all the different people. So it won't just be that we can do collaboration for digital products. We can also do them for physical. We can do them for events. We can do all these kinds of things. Um, and it will all become automated and amazing. Of course, <laughs> I don't know how long that might take if it ever happens. And what we'll probably see again is a bit of a hybrid in the way that we do right now in that some of my publications are automated, some of them are manual, some of them have a difficult process, others are super, super easy. So that's how it's going to go. We're not going to move from this day it looks like this and this day it all changes it will be a slow change in the same way that the last decade has been a slow change to uh, a lot of digital. So it is early days. I wanted to put this presentation out because there's a lot of confusion in the community. People are trying to learn things and trying to watch what's happening in the music industry, in the art industry, and thinking about how it can apply to books and publishing. So I wanted to get my ideas and thoughts out there. But the most important thing is that you don't have to do anything right now. But what you do need to do is learn and watch 
with an open mind. So I've had a lot of comments from people when I've been talking about this. They're like, we don't need that. That's terrible. Why would I go anywhere near that? But I was thinking about my old Nokia phone (laughs) back in like 2006. I had one of those Nokia phones. All it could do was text and phone. It was a proper phone. And then when the iPhone launched in 2007, I was like, why Why would I need one of those? Why would I need a smartphone that connected to the internet or played music? You know, why would I need all of that? And now, of course, my phone is right here by my side <laughs> and is pretty much always within reach of my hand. I can run my business from my phone. And I did not expect back in 2006 when I started writing, when I had my Nokia, I did not expect 15 years later, more, more than 15 years later, to be an author with books all over the world and a multi-six-figure business as a one-person solopreneur. That was not what I expected, but I have had an open mind. I, I, I didn't expect my podcast to be where it is now when I started it in 2009, where things go, where technology goes is a lot to do with jumping on board, taking advantage of things as they emerge. And blockchain is just emerging. But where might it be in the next decade? Where might it be in the next 15 years? If I think about where I'm going to be in the mid 2030s, I'll be in my 50s. (laughs) And I still want to be making money. That's for sure. I still want to be writing. I still want to have um, a thriving business. And so I'm really considering learning and watching what's happening with an open mind so I can take advantage of these things. So that's my question for you. What technology have you underestimated in the past? What have you later realised that you might have been wrong about? The other thing is, as an author (laughs) and a rights holder, please don't sign a contract that has a clause that has something like all formats existing now and to be invented for the term of copyright, because essentially that will include NFTs. And what is uh, interesting is even if you don't want to take advantage of blockchain and NFTs right now, you certainly want to be able to have that um, option in the future. I also think the definition of digital rights is going to become a problem. Some of you might have signed digital rights. Some of you might have signed ebook rights or audiobook rights, which again might stop you doing an NFT limited edition. So I think there's a lot of work to be done around contracts, around um, terms in contracts and rights and all of this. But if you want to make sure you can do this in the future, just be very careful what you sign. Now, I'm very happy to sign a lot of rights agreements and I do a lot of foreign language, um, subsidiary rights, etc. But that clause stops uh, you taking advantage of things and the publisher may never actually do NFTs with your work. So yeah, just be a little careful of what you sign. And if you're watching this and you are in an agent or a publisher, then be very clear in your contracts what what the author is signing. And the language around special editions, I think is interesting, but I I foresee there will be a few (laughs) discussions on this in the future. And then, of course, experiment and try new things. So if you do own your rights like uh, I do, then why not consider doing an NFT edition? Uh, Early adopters do have some advantages, (laughs) as I know from getting involved in the Kindle early and also with podcasting early, that there are 
good reasons to get involved early. Now, there are also downsides. For example, I have made some mistakes by jumping on too early onto platforms, signing contracts that I later regretted. So yeah, if you control and own your intellectual property rights, this might be something you want to do. But the question is, what do you want to create and where do you want to create it? And of course, you need an audience who might be interested in buying your NFTs. But um, as the classic quote from Wayne Gretzky goes, skate to where the puck is going to be. So if you're again, if you're thinking right now, this is not important doesn't matter. (laughs) You can just wait. But if we see where the direction of travel is going in terms of Web3, Metaverse, blockchain, architecture, I want to be ready for when we get there. And I don't know whether that will be a year, five years, 10 years, but keeping an open mind and watching this space, I think is important. So I hope you found this useful and you can find more resources, including the slides for this and a transcript at thecreativepen.com forward slash future. And if you have any comments, you can tweet me at the creative pen or leave a comment under the video or on the post. And I do have a book which kind of goes into a lot of this future stuff called Artificial Intelligence, Blockchain and Virtual Worlds, the impact of converging technologies on authors and the publishing industry, where I think about a lot of the coming technologies and how our business might change over the next decade, really. But um, I also have lots more discussions of NFTs and blockchain and AI and all of that at thecreativepen.com forward slash future. So thank you for listening and I wish you all the best for your NFTs. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.